You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or give to our ministry, please visit us at thevillagechurch.net. Good morning, church. Man, I just love worshiping with you. My name's uh, Michael Rasmussen, and I get to lead a student group. Uh, it's just an amazing group of 10th grade guys. My uh, wife, Danielle, she serves in the women's Bible study, and uh, together we get to serve in the premarital counseling. What I found in my three years in being part of this church is that volunteering helps us to be known by our fellow believers. And so if you want a strong sense of community, I would really encourage you to serve. Today's reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ice in one weekend. You don't need to look back. The failure is completely mine. Hey, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab those. We are going to look at that passage. Uh, but while you're turning there, can we talk about the parking lot for a second? Let's just, let's just have, we just need to have the conversation. The funny thing is the fence went up uh, and I had probably 20 people go, it's not as disruptive as you said. And I'm like, because it hasn't started. And now it has. And so you, you probably felt it this morning trying to get in here. So a couple of options for you. Uh, we have a Saturday night at 4 o'clock that about 735, 40 people are coming to. Starting March 23rd, we will have Little Village there, which is uh, birth through pre-K. So that's finally coming, and then we will go full service uh, a few months after that. And so we are moving that direction. So that's a viable option if it's a viable option. Uh, and then the other thing you can do, and a lot of you are doing this, thank you, is ride the shuttle over from Highland Village. Um, and so we, we actually leased some larger, nicer shuttles uh, so we can get you here. And so that's another option for you. I would like to ask this. Uh, some of you are rightfully, I, I think, um, you know, since you're parked in East Oklahoma, you, you, you like save, you save yourself probably 400 steps by going out that side door that we're trying to shuttle in and out of. It, it's already a disaster over there. And when you do that, it makes it worse. Uh, and so the gift I want to encourage you to receive from me is to not, with your kids, head outside that back door that's the shuttle door for us in this season, but go out front and, and get those extra few hundred steps. You're welcome. You won't feel guilt about it later that night. You'll check your numbers, and you'll be able to sleep more soundly. That's a contextual joke uh, that feels like it's somewhat landing. And so uh, if you could do that to help us in this season, and then here's a... Here's going to be a temptation that I want to gently press on. I love the good gift of technology. Uh, and that if you have a sick kid or um, you, 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 life's been overwhelming, the, the opportunity to sit at home and to drink in a service uh, is a real good gift of, of technology. It's a common grace given to all humankind. But God has called his people to be incarnational, to not neglect being together. There's something that happens in the room that will not be duplicated streaming it. 
that there's something about the presence of God among us as we've gathered that accomplishes more than the content of the service across airwaves and into your living room. And that, I mean to bring no shame. If you're watching from home, top off that coffee and let's get after it. It is a useful tool and it is a bad habit. Uh, and so the temptation with the parking lot the way it is and some of the disruption that will follow that is to be like, you know what, I'm just going to watch from home. And if you, listen, I think it's a viable option. It's just a really bad habit to get into. And I know that because some of you watching hadn't been back since COVID. Uh, and so I, I want to I get you to hold fast in this season as we go through uh, all that we're going to have to go through in, in regards to the facilities uh, and so with that said, I want to dive into the message um, this week. This is week three, and this is what we've covered. Uh, week one was just about kind of what you and I are caught up in. One, you, you've got your own individual story, and I, I love your story. You've got a background. You've got highs and lows. You've got wins and losses. You've got catastrophic failures and epic victories, and that's brought about who you are in this room. You didn't just poof here. Like, you're a product of a background, a belief system, a plausibility structure, and here you are, and the Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are incredible. And then, so there's you. You've got a story. I've got a story. We've got different backgrounds. And then God's woven us together as a family of faith in this strange tapestry of all those stories kind of weaving together to create a kind of culture here. So just as you as a person didn't spontaneously arrive here, as a church, we have not spontaneously arrived here. We are the product of the prayerful sacrifices, teachings, and service of those before us. So if God has done anything in your life at this place, it's tied to someone else who was sitting in a chair like you were sitting in a chair long before you got here, long before I got here. So there's your story, there's our story, and then this is where, and you can go back and listen to the sermon, then there's the story. And the story is the story of God's redeeming work among humankind across his creation, across time and space. And I made the argument in week one that the more we bring, not leave behind, but bring our story into our story, and the more this church can bring our collective story into the story that sits at the ultimate, at ultimate reality, the more life, real life, life life will actually be had by us. I didn't use the word happiness. I'm talking about purpose, grit, meaning. Life is the offer on the table. Happiness is thin. It's easily broken. It's a sad pursuit. But depth, meaning, purpose, rootedness, guts, that's a whole nother thing, and that's what Jesus is promising you in abundance. But to experience that and grow in that, one must move with their story and, and be woven together into a tapestry of people that sometimes not going to fit all that neatly. And we talked some about that last week. And then all of us together need to be able to say, it's not a brand we're building. It's not, it's not. what we're after is to fully and humbly submit to King Jesus more and more and more so that we're marked by that, shaped by that, and transformed by that. And, and then last week we just talked about this weird kind of moment in history we're in. I thought we had fun. I don't know if we did or not. But we, we talked about culturally. You and I have been embedded in a certain time and a certain place. And we talked about politically, the wildness of the political moment we're in. And then we even looked at the state of evangelicalism in the, the country. And there's just a lot of, it's just a train wreck. 
but what an opportunity for the gospel. And then here's what I want to do today. Uh, I want to talk about the foundation we're building on. Uh, the foundation we're building. So I've been sharing the 2030 vision. In fact, I'm about to read it again. The 2030 vision is like, this is what we're building towards. There's pieces of here, but this is what we're moving towards. And it's like, if you've ever built a house, it's like you, you come in and they're like, this is what we could do in the band. And it's like all the cool stuff. But, but if you get the foundation wrong, it doesn't matter. And so what's a foundation, what's the foundation that we're building on? Well, I, I talked to a couple of guys here at the church that are in construction about foundations. I'm not, I'm not an expert on those things, but here's what I was told. Uh, the strength of a building's foundation is determined by the concrete mix, i.e. its strength, the size of thickness of concrete used, the width of the foundation footing, and the amount of reinforced steel added to the cross-sectional area of, of the foundation. Like, oh, you gotta get all that right. You, you better get all that right, because if you get it wrong, uh, all the Texans say, there's foundation issues. Anybody been jammed up by foundation issues yet? Drained my account this year. Like, you know that moment, you're like, hey, we're doing all right, we should make some, never mind, let me give it to this guy that's crawling under my house. It, like a foundation, like let me give you, this is the most famous example of not thinking through the foundation. Right? You know, you, you gotta know what I'm putting up there. It's the leaning tower of peace. People from all over the world travel around to do this and take a picture of this. Nobody wants to live in that. And here's the law of physics. It's coming down. It's only a matter, you better, if you can, you better get there quick. Like there, there, ain't, there ain't enough of reinforced steel and cables to keep that thing up forever. Physics will win. Right, and, and what happened, like this is a fun little tourist stop, but nobody's asking to move in there. They're not gonna make that a boutique hotel. They're not because it's a disaster. And if you've ever had foundation issues, you know it. The walls start to crack. The doors stop shutting. You drop something on the floor and it rolls. It's a sign that, hey, th this needs to be fixed or we're in trouble. And, and so we need, if we're building the 2030 vision, we need a thick, strong, powerful foundation upon which we build. Uh, and, and maybe you've been to Sunday school and you're like, it's Jesus, isn't it? And, and yes, but slow down, calm, calm down there a little bit. Yes, it, it is Jesus. That's what we must build on. But, but what we've done is we want to go, yeah, but how do you build on Jesus? Because Sunday school answers aren't always the most helpful, right? So how does a church go about building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Well, we have a mission statement and a vision statement. So the 2030 vision is the house we're building. The foundation we're trying to build upon is our unchanging, never gonna be tweaked mission statement or vision state, mission statement, which is we exist, the reason we're here is to love God, love people, make disciples of Jesus Christ. That's the great commandment, which we just read. That's the great commission. And those two together form the commands of God on his people across time and space. And here's where, if you're wondering like, how do you get from that to that being the how of how Jesus is the foundation that we're building on? I love when you ask questions that are the next thing in my notes. So he, here's, here's how it works. Uh, you, just you just heard read over you, we're gonna look at it again here in a second, uh, that Jesus says that a love for uh, God that, that's all-consuming, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, 
is according, and love your neighbor as yourself, is according to him what all the law and prophets are built upon. And then later on in Luke chapter 24, after the resurrection, he's walking with these men on the road to Demaeus, the seven mile walk. Uh, and, and on that walk, he shows them from the law how, and prophets how he is the fulfillment of those things. So are you with me? So Jesus is saying that this great commandment given is how one must build upon him as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And let me tell you my heart for us today. Uh, here's what I'm trying to do. Uh, because of the context that I'm in, I am trying to move those of you who have made a decision for Jesus. You've said, yes, I'm, I'm a Christian. Maybe you've been baptized. Maybe you grew up in church. I, I'm a Christian, I want to move you from this category of decided into this category of discipled. Because the gap that we've created, where, where you can say, yeah, you can add Jesus like this ancillary thing to the fringes of your life and him not be supreme is a far different view for biblical Christianity. And really what Christianity is to follow him. Nick said it in the beginning, like, Come, follow me, not attach me onto your life and ring the bell so I can run an errand for you when you need me. And so I'm trying to move your heart, trying to invite you into the goodness of life, life, real life that Christ has come to promise you. He says, I've come to give you this abundant thing that you're looking for and because you're dedicated to lesser loves, you're robbing yourself. And what breaks my heart as a pastor is the sheer number of people who would think that Jesus isn't working for them, but it's never been Jesus at all. It's always been them trying to make Jesus in their image, trying to get them to make Jesus be their errand boy or their butler, and then going, he doesn't work. And I'm like, no, it's just been you. It's just been you as king of your life. Of course it's not working. You've never surrendered, or you surrendered a little and held back a lot. It's not the way this works. And so I'm trying to, by the grace of God, woo you into life real life, true life, abundant life, and to walk in the power, gratitude, and beauty of life in Christ. And so let me read, let, let me read the 2030 vision. This is what I'm inviting you to. This is what we're, we're putting resources in this direction, staffing in this direction, organizing, praying, fasting in this direction. But this is, if you think about like foundation versus house, this is kind of the fun stuff, you know, like you get to pick out if you ever build a house. But if you've ever done that, no one's ever gone, let me show you the foundation. You're going to love this. Concrete, four feet thick. Reinforced rebar throughout. No, nobody ever does that. It, it, foundations aren't sexy, but they're necessary. And if you get them wrong, house is going to fall. So let, let's look at this. This is the house. We are a welcoming home to thousands of people seeking Jesus Christ and growing in the grace of the gospel. We are a diverse community of men and women, young and old, single and married, discovering together our identity, purpose, and belonging within God's good design. We impact thousands of kids and students week in and week out with all our efforts wholly dependent on God. We make disciples across all ages. Every stage of life has a portion in the church. We celebrate 300 baptisms every year and we are a refuge for the broken and suffering to receive hope and care in a place where God heals and enriches marriages. We demonstrate the ministry of presence as we rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. 
We send wholehearted leaders and disciples into their homes, into neighborhoods, and into our city and into the nations. We have planted and revitalized 30 churches and have 100 goers reaching 10 unreached people groups. We have seen more than 50,000 individuals reached by the gospel through our campuses, church plants, revitalization efforts, and goers. We have generously resourced millions of people across the globe as we share the gifts that God has entrusted to us every day in all spaces through each season of life. We are joyfully building beyond ourselves, living the greater story together and creating a kingdom legacy for generations to come. That's the house. Let's look at the foundation. This is Matthew 22, starting in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commands, commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So let me, let me set what's going on in this passage. Um, the Sadducees and the Pharisees were constantly trying to trap Jesus by asking these questions. This is not a legitimate question. This is a question meant to trap. And so they're constantly trying to discredit Jesus either to the Roman authorities to get him in trouble there or to chisel or break apart his populous uh, this populist following that were following after him. So these questions are meant to create division. These questions are meant to get Jesus in trouble either with the authorities or with the, the populace. And, and so this question in particular is one that, that was extremely political. We probably don't read it as a political question, but it's a very political question because here's what's going on. The Sadducees have been silenced. Those are the liberals. And, and Jesus crushed them and they kind of went away with their tail between their legs. But the conservatives, conservatives, learn harder. They, they're more stubborn. And, and so they, they um, are coming at Jesus around this idea of heavy and light commandments. So if you don't know what the Pharisees are, the Pharisees were a holiness purity movement born out of Hellenization. So the Greeks have come in and the Greeks are trying to like indoctrinate all other cultures to become like Greek. And, and the Pharisees are like, they ain't gonna happen on our watch. And so the impulse is good to protect what's right, to protect what's distinct. But, but what they did is they went into the law. There were 613 commandments that the Pharisees had. And then what they did is because there were 16, 613, they, they ranked them into heavy and light, not at all to say that they thought any law was unnecessary or shouldn't be obeyed. They just began to, they began to develop these schools of thought that were like, surely murder is more serious than boiling a baby goat in its mother's milk. Those are both two commands in the biblical. So uh, we're of the tribe, we're of the sect, we're of the opinion that these commandments are the heavy ones and these are the light ones. And these had whole schools of thought and followers and disciples and teachers, and it was very much a thing. And so the question of what's the greatest commandment is meant for Jesus to answer it and in his answer create division among those who are listening and following. But here, here's a funny thing really hard to trick the son of God who's co-eternal with the father and knows your thoughts. And, and you want to talk about slow, like they never, they just, 
constantly get owned and they huddle back up and come back and get owned again. It's literally like wrestling a five-year-old. You know, you just exert your dominance for a second and then they come right back for more. I mean, that's what this looks like if you're reading it honestly. But here's Jesus's answer. Jesus's response to the question is to quote Deuteronomy 6, 5 and 11, 13. And I'll put it back up on the screen. The expression to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind meant generally that God is to be loved with all our powers and faculties. Um, like when we were getting ready for this and I'm looking in commentaries, a lot of guys wanted to try to tease each word out. Like this is what the heart is and, and this is what the soul is and this is what the mind is and this is what might means. And this is, but really what's happening in the text is a literary device called parallelism. It's saying the same thing on repeat, coming at it from different angles because God knows we're slow-minded. The idea is an ever-expanding surrender to the reign and rule of Christ. It is that he has all of us and he is our primary love at the expense of lesser loves. It is that the North Star, the driving force of my life is this growing love relationship that I'm in with King Jesus. And the way that plays itself out the, the way that plays itself out is not just um, conversion and then forget about it, but rather an ongoing growth into greater obedience and surrender. One of the phrases we use here is all of life for all of life. That's what it means to follow Jesus. All of life for all of life. The point is that a love for God should be wholehearted, inviting, involving all that we have, and all that we are. And this great commandment reads us like an MRI and invites us into deeper waters over and over and over again. Maybe I, maybe I could use my own life as an example. I'm sorry, it's the only one I have. Um, so I became a Christian three days before my 18th birthday, and here was the list of sins I was deeply, deeply convicted of. Stop partying, leave the girls alone, don't punch people as an impulse to you not getting your way or feeling disrespected. Literally, that, that was it. Those three things. And here's how I did. Okay. I did okay. I mean, I think if I'm going to be real honest with you, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. And then, uh, you know, my friends would be like, come on, Jan, come on, man, just hang on. You don't got a drink. Just come with us, man. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll come with you. And then I would do all right. And then I'd get a little cocky. And then I'd stumble and fall and have to repent and, and stop. And then um, learn to walk away a little bit. And I actually got to a place that I was doing pretty well. Like, I was really excited about how well I was doing and, like, leaving a little swagger in me, man. I've, I've got this down. It's been a long time since I've punched anybody in the head. It's been a long time since I've messed with those ladies and I hadn't drank or smoked or anything like that in forever. And, and then the Lord was like, hey, I want to talk to you about these thoughts. What thoughts? Oh, I think you know the thoughts. See, I had, and I don't know your story. Some of you, stories wildly different than mine. I, I probably want my kids to have your testimony and not mine. And man, there were these things that I had participated in, man. There are things I'd given my body to, things I'd given my mind to, and they would play in my head and I'd dwell on them. And they weren't all sexually perverse. Some of them were, like, if I'm just being real honest, I, I got, like, this is crazy. This is just, let, let's just, I mean, in eighth grade, the, this guy that had failed eighth grade like three or four times caught me early and, and just screwed me in a way that felt really 
Like I felt emasculated and disrespected. I don't know if any other dudes have that story, but that's the kind of story that'll shape you. Uh, that, that's honestly, I little, made a little vow that day. That'll never happen again. That's how bad it was. And there were times in my head, I had this little wooden bat that I got from Astroworld. You remember those things? And I would think about what that day would have been like if that was in my backpack. I mean, maybe that's too real for church. But I would envision beating him nearly to death in my head. And I'd been a part of some things with girls that I would let my mind go to. And, I, and the Lord's like, hey, I want those. I, I want those. And, and my first impulse was like, I'm not getting high. I'm not fighting anybody. I'm not messing around with girls. Like, that's not, I'm not hurting anybody with that. And the Lord's like, oh, no, yeah, you you're hurting you with that, your body and life are going to follow your mind. Your body and your life are going to follow your mind. You, you think that script that you let play isn't leading you to someplace, it's leading you to someplace. And, and so, man, I, I memorized uh, Philippians 4, 6, I think it was. It says, whatever is true, noble, right, good, beautiful, think on these things. And I had to completely, uh, the Bible says, take every thought captive. So I asked the Holy Spirit, let me know when I'm doing that. And that might sound like a funny prayer, but I was so used to thinking a certain kind of way that I didn't even know I was actually thinking that way until I was an hour into the fantasy. And the Holy Spirit began to wake me up and I began to try to um, replace that thought with something that was beautiful, true, and good, and lovely to dwell on and think on. And then, man, I got, I got pretty good. got pretty good at my thought life. And, and then the Lord came, I was like, hey, I want to have a conversation about these eyes. Like, what are you talking about these eyes? Well, I just think you're looking at stuff you don't necessarily need to be looking at. And I was like, I ain't have, man, you already got my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're doing pretty well. I want your eyes. And, and then, so, and it seemed so, gosh, even at the time, it seemed so trivial. Like, I'm not talking about pornography. I'm talking about less weird, like, ants. Like, I don't, I don't, I want you to guard your intakes. I want you to watch your eyes. And, and so then I tried to start growing. And in each one of these iterations, each one of these seasons of my life, I wish I could tell you obedience was fast and learnings were quick. That's not been my experience. And I think if we're honest, that's no one's experience. Everybody's looking for spiritual bypass right now, like a spiritual serval bullet that kind of just snaps and all of a sudden you're holy and righteous and walking in power. That's not, this is a long journey home and God's unbelievably patient. Unbelievable. So then we moved from my eyes and then uh, he came for my money. Like, whoa, 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 what, what do you mean? I'm making 12 grand a year. I'm driving a Chevy Corsica with 207,000 miles. What money? What, I don't have any. We're living off, like Lauren and I were splitting Dr. Thunder. We couldn't even afford Dr. Pepper. We had Dr. Thunder. And there were real significant fights if I got home and she had drank a whole one by herself. That was like, that was a coping mechanism. And we were broke, broke. And, um, and, and then it was, it, it was, it moved from my money to things in my marriage. Like, you've heard me talk about the seven years, and I know some of you have been a lot longer than seven years, seven years of a nightmare for me, and I was convinced in my foolishness that if Lauren would just do what I say, that all our problems would go away. And I was a expert in her weaknesses and were often compare them to my strengths. Yeah, is that gross? And, and the Holy Spirit began to just go, hey, like, I want you to look at the fruit of your leadership in her life. I'm not talking about her, I'm talking about you. She is meant to grow like a well-watered vine and she is crispy and dying and that's on you. 
To which I responded in hardness of heart, but what about her? I thought it was a legitimate question. And the Lord needed to rebuke me and go, I'm not talking about her, I'm talking about you. Like she and I have a different relationship than you. Like you are mine and she is mine and I'll handle her. I'm not asking you to handle her. I'm asking you to be the kind of man I've called you to be. And I had to repent and relearn almost everything uh, about how to be a husband. I'd never had a great model to begin with. And, and, and then the, the Lord came for vocational ministry. Look, man, I, I, I didn't think I'd do poor well. And so I wanted to be a lawyer. I had seen a few good men. I thought verbally and with my mind, I could lead people to that outburst that, you know, you can't handle the truth. Did you want to go? I mean, I was like, yes, Lord. I feel your calling in my life. I see a destiny in front of me. I'm all in. And, and yet this little whisper of vocational ministry, no, no, I'm calling you into service to me. And man, I, I bucked that for over three years. Over three years, I was like, no. No, no, I'm good. I'm good. I, here's what I'll, and you know, I don't know if you do this. Like I wanted to, like I did some bartering. I was like, how about this? Just hear me out. <laughs> Unbelievable Sunday school class. And then a job that lets me drive a, a Porsche or a BMW. I will be an elder at a church. How, how about, I, I will be the most generous elder on an elder board somewhere, and I will teach wherever you want me to teach. You ever do this? You ever just like offer to the Lord what he's not asking? He's like, hey, I want that. And they're like, or, oh, okay, or this. How about this thing? Would you like this thing? I don't know if you do that. I, I still, gosh, man, I'm 30, almost 32 years in, and I can still find myself doing this. And so the Lord wanted both my imagination and my life to line up with my destiny and not some janky version of my life that I had for me. Here's what's great. He just knows in a way I cannot he just knows how he built me. He knows how he wired me. He knows how I'm going to flourish. And the more I say yes, the greater shot I have at living into my destiny. I'd be a miserable lawyer driving that Porsche. I would be miserable. And the Lord's like, yeah, you would. So I saved you from it. But what ends up happening is that you and I will on repeat, because here's what God's given us in our will, the power to pump the brakes on living into our destiny. Every time the Spirit does something like that through the Word or even just through a prompting in your heart and you say no, you are limiting your experience of the destiny God has for you in Christ. You are choosing lesser loves and lesser loves always betray. The accusation when we say no to God about anything is that he cannot be trusted and we can. Now think about that. I don't think I can trust you, but I can trust me. No one's betrayed you like you have. Like no one's lied to you, failed you, stabbed you in the back as frequently or as violently as you have. You are terrible to you. No one's even meaner to you than you are. And, and you're like, no, I don't think I can trust you. I'm gonna trust me? Seriously? Lesser loves always betray, always. And anytime we say, not this, Lord, not this. And I can tell you where I've wrestled with the Lord. Sometimes it's not an explicit Bible verse. Sometimes the Holy Spirit just begins to go, I want you to lay this down. And I look around and none of my other friends are having to lay that down. Anybody had that experience? Where the Lord's like, this isn't for you. What do you mean that's not for me? Where's the text? Do you ever ask the Lord where the text is? <laughs> 
What text? Where, where does it say that in the book? And I have had the Lord say, this freedom, you're going to give it to me? And look around and like, like no other elders having to lay that down. Nobody else is having to navigate that. And he's like, yeah, because you're mine and I love you and I'm leading you into your destiny, not his destiny. I'm leading you into the life I have for you, not the life I have for them. So will you be willing to follow? And a growing love, the foundation that we need to build on as a church, and I'm calling you to build your life on, is this ever-increasing whatever you want. This ever-increasing whatever you ask, I will trust you, I will believe you, even at great cost, I will trust that your vision for my life is greater than anything I could fathom, so help me in obedience find my way into it. And, and this is the thing, I'm telling you, this is, the, this is the hurdle or the ceiling for so many of us that maybe even years ago said, can't do that, I can't give you that, I just can't give you that. The pull, look, look at, let's make some, I know where we are. I know where we are. The pull of comfort and control in this city, in this part of the world are more powerful than you can fathom. The hooks of greed and self-seeking, the, these things are so powerful that they're gonna perpetually pull on us. And some of you have robbed yourself of 15, 20 years of delight in Jesus because you said no to something 20 years ago and you dug your heels in. And what ends up happening is the invitation stops coming. And in all honesty, there's a progression of things that must, like if the Lord would have showed up to me at 18 and, and said, hey, this, this little thing right here, I'm gonna need you to, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have anything like, I wouldn't have any long history of trust knowing that he's good. I wouldn't be able to let go of those bigger things to know he could be trusted with the small things. So some of you said no to a big thing all those years ago and you robbed yourself up and I wanna call you back into yes. I wanna call you back into you can be trusted. I wanna call you back into I will now surrender this to an ever increasing love relationship with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and not believe that I'm the one that should be managing my life. And I know this is a hard teaching. I know you don't grow a big church this way, but I can tell you, I don't lose sleep about those things. I lose sleep about you being stuck in less than Christ than Christ died to bring you. Like, I so want this for you. And, and I know it's hard uh, because some of you are so convinced that to lay that thing down is gonna make such a mess of your life. And I ain't lying, maybe it will. Maybe it will. I'm saying you can trust Christ through the process and to the other side. I'm not promising you in a life of ease. The Lord never promised you a life of ease. In this world, you will have trouble. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, this... This yes, whatever you ask, however long it takes, and by the way, it takes all the way home. I use that phrase, the long journey home, because look, I'm 32 years and it happened to me this week. How many this week where the Lord's like, hey, I wanna talk about this? I'm like, this? What about this? Yeah, I want that gone. Well, it doesn't even make sense to me. He's like, this, this conversation again? <laughs> like, not only is, I want you to tell Lauren and I want you to tell your crew about it. I'm like, well, okay, I mean, it's... Sure. And I, yeah, I'm sitting here now, I'm like, it, that didn't make any sense to me. But I felt prompted by the Lord. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm there, guys, where I'm just gonna go, okay, I want you. And if that is in even some way I don't even understand, keeping me from a vibrant fellowship and love for you, I'm, kill it, just burn it to the ground. What do you want me to do? You want me to just throw it away? Do you just let me know? 
You just let me know. I can get a little obsessive, and when you're an obsessive personality, it, it can, you can choose lesser loves before you know it. You just thought it was a hobby, and next thing you know, you're like, a lot more time, energy, money, <laughs> imagination going this way than, than kingdom impact in life. And so I just got rebuked this week. Happened again. But I am, I am in a place now where I can see it. So I'm just like, okay, gosh, let's do it. LC, you know, the crew, the crew saved my life over the last few years. So here's a gift I want to give to you today. I want to give you the gift of two minutes. See, we move so fast in our culture's, you know, full throttle that to stop long enough to pray that prayer, pray that prayer of David, where, where he says, search me and know me, oh God. Let me know, is there anything in here that's out of step? Show me. Pull it into my prefrontal cortex, Holy Spirit. Let me be aware that I might say yes and lay it down. And so here's my gift of two minutes. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you in the midst of this season of your life where you have given your allegiance to lesser loves, where you have said no to either a direct command to scripture or a prompting from the Holy Spirit in your life to live in to your destiny. I wanna give you the opportunity to become aware of it and then give it to the Lord. Okay, here's what's weird. Two minutes is gonna feel like an eternity. That's how fast we run. So here's my gift of two minutes. You can bow your heads and close your eyes if you want, but I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, pull into my prefrontal cortex those ways that I have said no, that I have refused to enter in, that I have decided a lesser love is better than you.